back to another episode of the Worst Sister Shire podcast. This week we're picking up where we left off with our segment Unoriginal Sin. We'll be covering episodes four and five of the new Pretty Little Liars series, Original Sin, and we're very excited. As you know, in the first three episodes we got overexcited and talked for a really long time. So <laughs> in two parts. So we're hoping to do this one in one part, um, but we've got a lot to say. So without any further ado, I'll introduce my sister. Hi, I'm Arzum. We normally do have a third sister, <laughs> but she has <laughs> had some technical difficulties in the last few weeks and she actually hasn't been able to see original sin to be able to partake in unoriginal sin. So chugging along without her. Arzum, what do you think of episodes four and five? Oh my God, is what I think. So I have so many more unanswered questions. I was hoping to get answers, but I got none. It's kind of like what we said in um, Shadeswood, right? A is not for answers. <laughs> I also don't know what A is for in this series because they sometimes use the A sign-off and sometimes don't. Yes, there is only A's sometimes, which I think some people have theories that these are two different people. And then it makes me think like if they are two separate people, who do we think A is? Because I'm starting to think back about the text and everything. I think whenever there's been an Leatherface, quote unquote, A sighting. The text that they received with it don't actually have an A behind it. The only one they've received with an A is the one after Karen gets pushed, right? Yeah, I think so. Is this person just being called A because it's the connection to the series, I guess? Or maybe A is the one that's got a problem with the current day girls, and Leatherface is the one that has a problem with the Y2K girls. Yeah, I get that. But also they feel so connected. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are. I'm just Yeah, I'm just contemplating. All right. Well, shall we get into it? Um, starting with chapter four, the female gaze. So we start and for me, when we first started this scene, I was like, oh, that's where it's from. Because we see the teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's right. But before that, um, we see the relationship between Angela and Marjorie, who is Noah's mum. Mm -hmm. And um, the major thing that happens is that Marjorie's convincing Angela to try a cigarette. Angela's yeah. not really into it, but she ends up caving in and trying it. Then when the janitor comes by, Marjorie blames Angela and says yep. they were hers, not mine. And Angela um, goes off with him somewhere. We don't see what happens next to her. We see that Marjorie is very quick to throw people under the bus, yes. starting with Angela. And that'll come back um, later in this episode. One thing yeah. I did notice in this scene was, remember when we were talking in part one about the janitor that was murdered in the school yep. in, in modern day, there was a smiley face painted on the door and that oh, smiley yeah. face was painted on the door here too. So I don't know whether this is something that has just been on that door for <laughs> like 30 years, but it's still maybe. there. So I thought it was maybe a clue, but it seems to just be something that is... Yeah, I noticed that too, but I thought it was a reference to, um, because, okay, so obviously we've spoken a lot about this in episode one, but mm. um, there's lots of references to like horror movies and some crime stuff that's happened and like murders and stuff like that throughout the series. Yeah. And so I took the smiley face on the door as a reference to the smiley face killers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the um, story, but basically a bunch of different murders have happened across the United States and possibly the world. They don't know how far this thing goes. It's a big, bit of a conspiracy, mm. but um, a lot of people have died in mysterious ways, no witnesses and have something just like gone missing from big groups of people. And their bodies are always found next to a smiley face. 
Interesting. Yes, I thought it was just like a small like throwaway reference to something like that. But um, Interesting. Yeah, it very well could be. So if we skip a bit ahead to present day, we see that um, Marjorie, while she's working as a nurse, she receives a bear um, mm. sitting on her desk. Mm-hmm. And she obviously gets freaked out about this and it's holding like a, a, a pill bottle of sorts yeah. that has addict written on it and the bear has a shirt that says mother of the year, I think. And on both of the red, um, both on the pill bottle and on the teddy bear's shirt, there's a red A. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. And then we see the significance of that teddy bear. So yes, um, we see another flashback where Marjorie is giving the teddy bear to Angela and she says as a thank you. And the shirt says best friends forever. Um, this seems to be the same teddy with the shirt change that's given back to her. Yeah, but I don't think it is the exact same teddy. I think it's a teddy that's been made to look like that teddy because later on in the show, that teddy is in the chest. Yeah, good point, actually. So A's gone through a lot of effort to making this bear look old and ratty to make her think it's the mm. same bear, I think. But yeah, so A has like a lot of time on their hands to like – Find vintage bears, mess them up, and scare people just as they go along. Yeah, then the next thing that happens is Don Thompson gives um, oh, yeah. Imogen a call. Um, so Imogen's been kind of snooping around, asking a bunch of people if they know anything about Angela Waters and her mum and stuff like that. And everyone's been pretty unresponsive and quick to hang up on her, I think. And she's kind of hitting a dead end with that. Um, so, But we know that later on Don ends up not giving her much information. And in addition, he goes and tells Sydney that, She's yes. been snooping around. But the reason that I want to talk about this scene is, and this is probably nothing, but I noticed yet another flyer for an open mic night on Friday night. Mm. This same poster is around other places in school too, within frame. Okay. And in particular in the scene where the girls are talking in the bathroom after Imogen finds out that she's going to be spirit queen. Yeah. It's hanging in the bathroom right next to them, always within shot. I mean, it could just be the prop department reusing their flyers. And it was framed in a way that you could see the flyer. Yeah. Like, she could have been... This is just a phone call she's having. It could have been literally anywhere with anything in the background. Yeah. And, and this is where they've sat months. her. Yeah, yeah. Like, she could have been in her bedroom uh, on this phone call. Or she could have been, you know, walking to school or whatever it might be. But she was specifically in detention. Then she left so that she could answer this call, which she said was from her doctor. Nothing else major happens in that scene. And then she mm. sits down next to this flyer. Also, the girls were in detention um, again, same sort of layout, all sitting together and able to like whisper and stuff. Yeah. But this time they had someone watching them, not planning their revenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then they the girls all meet in the courtyard and they're talking about how their two they just weeks finished. Of detention are over. Yeah. Um, they've gotten no more texts, but they're convinced that there's an Angela connection still. And they can't yeah. tell their mums until they figure out what it is because I think their mums are lying to them. Um, Noah is suddenly a track star. Yes. She's excited to get back to training, which is convenient because pretty soon after she has an instance where she needs to be fast, I guess. I um, guess that's going to help her. That scene that we're going to talk about soon is going to help her get faster at track, though. I mean, if there's ever something to drive yes. you to run fast. <laughs> so Tabitha sees the football team is like leaving and so she runs back into the men's locker room to get her camera again yeah and she ends up having to hide in one of the stalls and she hears Tyler and Greg being like pretty disgusting in the way they're talking about one woman in, in particular Trish and not much else comes from that scene except I think it gives us a bit more insight as to what 
Tabby's trying to get out of that locker room. Mm. So um, I know you said last week that you were thinking hear something and try and sleuth something. And I think you're right. I think this scene's kind of getting us to that. And the last thing that happens on this day is that um, Imogen finds out her house has an offer on it and she wants to be the one to go clean it. Which, like, girl, you're, like, seven months pregnant at this point. Just relax. But the next day, lots of stuff starts happening with Farron and Kelly and I'm really excited about this storyline, to talk about it anyway. They're in the ballet locker room and Farron's watching Kelly move her things into Karen's old locker and Farron is, like... I don't know, weird about this, immediately suspicious of this for some reason. And I'm like, it's not that unreasonable just yet, but, you know. I think it's the lack of time that is weird for Farron. Like, your sister just died, like, two weeks ago, and you're, like, yeah. moving in on her locker, and, she, and she's just casually like, yeah, she had the better locker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also her and Karen aren't, like, friends or anything. Maybe she wanted to feel closer to Karen and be more, like, close to her things I guess you know it's yeah Baron's just like I don't know I feel like an idiot this whole next two episodes but (laughs) yes she really is like let's get into that this is the start of Baron being suspicious of the twin swap so um Kelly is going to be showing Farron how to get back up to speed now that she's the black swan again yeah and Farron asks if Henry can do it instead and um, Jerry says no, it's going to be a good distraction for Kelly as well. Farron just straight up is a bit psycho to Kelly for someone that you don't know has switched and has just lost their sister. Tabby and Chip get assigned the film assignment in their class. So Mr. Smithies tells them that they need to recreate a film, um, mm-hmm. like a classic kind of film, and but talk about its relevance for today. Tabby comes up with the idea that she's going to do psycho and it's going to be like gender reverse roles um, yep. through the female gaze. The other things that happen today is Ash and Mouse talk about plans for Halloween and yes. Mouse says, mum's never going to let me go out on Halloween. Imogen starts looking at her house. A couple things happen here. First, we see the Leatherface guys hanging out in her basement. That scene where she's walking down the stairs and you just see him behind the stairs, I was like, oh my God. And then she comes back upstairs and she sees the couple that have made the offer on the house and she's like, this is still my house. And then she tells them that horrible, gruesome things happened there and she scares them off from um, making an offer. Yeah. And then she has a confrontation with Sydney that night about what happened. So Sydney says um, that she wanted to spare Imagine from this, but her mum was in a lot of debt and she needs to sell the house to cover some of that debt. I don't know how she was going to shield that from her because, like, wouldn't she ask where the money's gone after you sold it? (laughs) exactly what my note says too. Like, how would you explain that? You would have to tell her at some point. But, yes, I agree. Yeah, Yeah, so she's hoping to sell the house, get rid of some of the debt. And Imogen, again, doesn't stick to what's going on and kind of just pushes and she's like – what are you guys hiding about Angela Waters? Why doesn't anyone want to talk about Angela mm. Waters? And um, Sydney's like, I think you should just, um, like, not drop it. What did she say? Get over it. Move on. You should just move on. And she's like, it's hard to move on. My mum's dead. And she's like, obviously not from that. <laughs> like, And, yeah, the other note I made in this scene is how aggressive Imogen is towards Sydney. Like, yeah. I get she wants answers, but, like, this woman is literally feeding you and housing you. When yep. you have no one else in the world right now. <laughs> Which you cry about in, like, ne- the next scene. I don't know. Also, something that doesn't make sense to me, this is unrelated to, like, how she's 
treating Sydney and stuff, but just the way she's interacting with Tabby as well is a bit weird to me, not because she's being disrespectful or anything. Okay, so if something had happened to me and I was still living with you and stuff like that and I was freaked out about something or I figured something out, I would walk to your room and tell you about it and not just wait till the next day till we're all at the table, the diary, for example. Yeah, yeah, she waits to be at school the next day to tell everyone. Yeah, and like Tabby's literally the next door down as if you wouldn't go come home and be like, oh my God, look what I found, pages are missing. I didn't think of that, but yes, totally get it. It's also today that Tabby asks Greg and Farron to be in the film. And Greg says yes because it's a shower scene with a hot girl. What a skis bag. Yeah, and then the confrontation with uh, Karen and Kelly Farron. also happened here about you just be a queen girl. Yes, okay. So Kelly's like trying to show Farron how to dance and she just is, is genuinely trying to be polite and nice and she's like – good extension and says sorry she doesn't know like why Madame Jew is doing this um she's not as good of a dancer and Farron's like she's really aggressive she's like it doesn't matter because I have an asterisk the only reason I got cast as the black swan is because I'm black that's what your sister said anyway and um this is where I think Farron starts to get more suspicious because she's like well she didn't actually use the word did she yeah Kelly wasn't there for that conversation I don't feel like that's something you would like share with a sibling or anything or maybe you would but you wouldn't be like yeah but I didn't say the word yeah but she could have heard I guess like they're not that far apart from each other um but anyway Farron gets really upset about this and says like oh I thought Karen was the gaslighting microaggressor not you that wasn't in my head um yeah. and Madame Jiri just feels sorry for you um and then Kelly's like we don't have to practice together I'll do my thing you just be a queen girl but the other thing is, like, it could have been, because we talked about how we think Kelly and Karen have swapped a lot. It could yes. have been that they were swapped in the scene where Kelly spoke to Farron in the first place. Exactly. Like, when but, she told her, you know, you be a queen girl, that could have been Kelly in that time instead of Karen. But also, I don't think it's that unreasonable for sisters to say similar stuff like we have a lot of similar mannerisms you and I and so does you know us and Sadie oh you mean how we make the same joke to each other six thousand times exactly so you've literally spent every single day since birth with a person I'm sure you will pick up some similar terms of and stuff like that I don't think it's that unreasonable and Karen's not the only person in the world who says girl so the other things we see in this day is that Sean is mad at Noah's mum for being a shit mum, essentially. Mm, yep. um, they're hanging out in Noah's bedroom and he's like, that's pretty shit, man. And he doesn't want to go to the movies with them. And then the other thing that happens is Imogen finds the Ouija board. Yes. And she has a flashback to a scene that she had with her mum. So it looks like they may have played it together with her mum, but we don't see what happened in that scene. It would be good to get to see that scene because, like, imagine if Angela starts talking to them or something and then the mum freaks yes. out and shuts it. If they played on the Ouija board, I want to see that scene. Yeah, and then Imogen has the idea that they're going to try and speak to her mum. Can I just say all the girls are in, no questions asked? No, right? I would ask so many questions. I'd be like, cool, you have fun. <laughs> I'm going to be at my house. There is <laughs> no way I would take part in this. I'm curious whether my days are right because that was all Friday that that happened. The mm. next day that I think I have on file here is a Tuesday. So I think we've skipped a few days now after that. And um, it starts with, I think, Henry telling Farron off for being rude to Kelly. And yep. Farron's like, I'm not going to suddenly pretend I don't like Kelly. It's just not who I am. She gets more suspicious again because Henry's like, 
Kelly's gotten better at dancing. It's almost like I'm dancing with Karen again. I fully am also convinced that at some point these girls have switched places like throughout. I'm not sure who mm. is who right now, who's past and who hasn't. I don't think she is Karen. Um, and we'll talk about it as we progress through this. But I think they yes. do swap a lot. So I think it's past scenes that we don't know whether Kelly's Kelly or Kelly's Karen. So I'm not 100% sure, but I'm getting the vibe that Kelly is Kelly and that Karen was Karen. But they've switched mm. so many times that it's kind of tricking up the sequence for everyone else and that's why Farron's having a hard time to believe it because if we do genuinely believe that um Kelly was sort of the brains behind the operation which we think we do Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly was the one going and stirring the pot all the time we'll get to it when we get to it but I have some some thoughts about another scene next scene then um having spoken to Henry Farron apologizes Mm -hmm. to Kelly and she's like oh I'm sorry for Karen I haven't even said that to you yet and like you know, tries to get friendly with her, I think, to try and figure out more things. Yes, not genuinely being friendly. She's so fake. She also says, oh, isn't that Karen's leotard you're wearing, by the way? Yeah. That isn't weird. Yeah. I steal your clothes all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, remember the dress? And we were like, is it my turn with the dress this week? Or is it your turn with the dress this week? Like, And when I moved out, you were so upset about the dress. (laughs) I know. Like, you took that dress to a different state now. It's very rude. Yeah, I don't think it's weird that she's wearing her sister's clothes because they're the same age, same size, same everything. Why wouldn't you share clothes? And, yeah, they probably shared clothes when she was alive anyway. Yeah, I agree. But also, even if it wasn't normal for you guys to share clothes, again, if you're mourning and you want to feel close to someone, you wear Mm. their clothes. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah. Um, She's like, oh, I remember reading this article that, like, sometimes when people get hurt or trauma happens, the other twin can feel it too. And I was like, is she going to ask if she felt when she died or something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, no, that was weird. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I guess you guys were, like, soulmates. And she's like, I was going to say best friend. Like, yeah. It was such a weird thing to say. I know. <laughs> like, what were you getting at, Farron? I don't know. I literally don't know. I think that's all that happens at school. And the Ouija board scene is that night. Yes. This is an intense scene. It's intense, but it's also hilarious, I thought. For starters, she it didn't take her long at all to break. She asked the ghost to one question and then she went mental. Do you think Tabby moved it? Because you saw her smile? Yeah. I was wondering if that was just a mistake that stayed in. <laughs> but she could have moved it. She's got a love of, um, you know, scary things. Yeah, that was my thought as well. So I think Tabby did move it and then she felt bad once the reaction happened because she was the one who then is like... Imogen tries to get her to like calm down and Baron's like let her feel it yeah um but yeah and when they ask who did that she didn't say anything she just kind of smirks Imogen spiraled big time I should just start asking question after question after question I was like you gotta give you the know- ghost a chance to answer <laughs> <laughs> the, the ghost can't keep up with this <laughs> yeah and then um yeah she yells I hate you to her ghost mum which is like the most teenage thing ever yeah, and, and then like Tabby being Tabby again starts quoting Chucky yes. when they're having a tender best friend moment. They were like, "Yeah, we're best friends forever," and Chucky's like, "Let me quote this horror movie real quick." Tabby <laughs> is like, "Let me quote Chucky real." Quick. <laughs> did I call her Chucky? Yeah, you did. Chucky's like, "Let's quote this real quick." 
Also, I'm curious what time they got done with this and what time Noah went home. Yeah, for Sheriff Beasley to come over. For an unscheduled visit. Which is apparently he's allowed to do but has never done before. Yes, and he starts doing it now as she's getting close to the end of her uh, probation and everything. Yeah, and I think that's because he couldn't get her on any, get the whole, all five of the girls on anything Mm. besides two weeks attention and now he's trying to find anything he can. Yeah. Mess with. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he ends up finding some pills in a little cup in the bathroom and asks what they are. And oh, what's her name? Marjorie, I think. Yeah, Marjorie. Um, immediately is like, they're not mine. Yes. And, like, give it a hot second. And like, how did the sheriff not find that suspicious, first of all, while she's clutching her bag to her chest? I know. It was highly suspicious. And can I say, what a B word. Sure yes. is right. She's a B word. Yes. Why would you throw your daughter under the bus at that when she's already in trouble for so much stuff? That you did. Yes. And you can see that she hasn't changed over time as well because she did the exact same thing to Angela Waters 20 years ago. On bigger scale now, smaller scale when it was Angela. But yes. Anyway, it ends up being not a big deal because they were magnesium pills. But yeah, wow, Marjorie, wow. Noah confronts her. She says, what's in your purse? Like, why are you like holding on to it? And she says sometimes she takes a quarter oxy for her back pain and that's it. But obviously the next morning we see um, Noah going through her mum's bag and finding pills for none other than Mr. Caleb Rivers. (laughs) Yes, yes. So it's Wednesday morning now when that happens. And um, yes, it's for Caleb Rivers, which was a very fun throwback. This is like an unrelated note and doesn't actually have anything to do with the plot of the show, but I thought it was super cute. Um, when Noah's making her cereal and she pours it into that little plastic Kellogg's bowl. Yeah. That's so 90s. I remember us having those bowls. I know. I know, right? What a flash from the past. And yeah, I just thought that was really cute. And I was like, oh my God, we had those. The next scene is the scene where Tabby is getting her crew together for the filming of the scene later that night. And she's basically giving them a speech that says she wants it to be a safe set and everyone be respectful and stuff, given that there'll be a lot of vulnerability very mature of her and my note here is greg is a neanderthal <laughs> yes 100%. um because he just makes joke after joke joke after, after joke. joke making everyone uncomfortable and it's quite clear he's making people uncomfortable she does snap at him for it and then he makes a promise that he's going to be respectful yeah spoilers he doesn't spoilers exactly <laughs> <laughs> And then the next thing that happens is Imogen's mum, we have a flashback to Imogen's mum giving her uh, the diaries and saying, yep. you know, every girl has her secrets. I don't know why she thinks this. They don't. Yeah. Um, but she's like, here's some diaries. If you take to it, I'll write, I'll get you another one. Yep. So this prompts Imogen to remember that her mum's got all these diaries. So she goes looking through the house. Um, she starts looking through her mum's room for them and everything starts under the bed and things like that. That's fine. They end up being in the same place Imogen keeps them, like in the top drawer of her dresser. Yeah. Which is cute. But also, like, who starts looking through a dresser from the bottom? Yeah. (laughs) If you thought they were hidden, you'd check the one you would expect them to be hidden in the most, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But I feel like just logical order. Everyone starts from top to bottom, left to right when you're going through. Why would you hide your most prized possessions in your top drawer? Well, she did. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what happens next after she finds the book, the diary, sorry, is she goes through it and sees some pages are missing. Um, And after that, we skip over to Noah. So she's sitting, she's ordering a pizza and she gets a text who we assume is A because because there's no ever, like we said before, there's no A sign off, but we think it's A. And it says, yeah, she never learnt her lesson. 
Mummy was going to throw you under the bus again, just like she did to Angela Waters. No A sign off, but um, Noah looks a bit freaked out, but she kind of goes back to doing her homework because what else is she going to do, right? Mm. Um, and then we end up with the filming scene with Tabby, Greg, Chip and Farron. Yeah. Um, Tabby's like pretty intense about her directing. Also, can I just say, she wants this to be a safe space for everyone, but she yep. keeps saying really sexual things. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. That's why I mean, she's trying to make herself sound smarter, but she's making it a lot more sexual. Yeah. And she like, not just sexual, but like creepy. So she yes. says things like, you're going to penetrate him with your knife. Yes. And then she says he's going to be violated by a female phallus. Yes. Like, Tabby, calm down. What happened to your safe space? <laughs> and, like, I don't know. I get it. I think maybe she's trying to – that's part of the whole female gaze thing, right? When, uh, but in this scene, did you notice the way Chip looks at her when he's doing yes. that stuff? So yes. So it's yes, very yes. weird. It's like he's weirded out by the things that she's doing. And yes. I don't know what to read into that look that he gave her, but I think – it was very intentional. Specifically the look he gives her after she suggests that maybe Marion slipped something into um, Norman Bates's yes. drink. He looks over her, his shoulder and looks at her. Oh, yeah. and then Greg goes uh, naked. And um, says he's more comfortable. And Tabby freaks out. But she says you're being disrespectful, not just to you. It's meant to be a safe place for your co-stars. Mm. Baron kind of shoves it off. She's like, this um, ballet is more raunchy than this doesn't bother me. Yeah. And Chips kind of says, let's just roll. Even though Tabby is clearly like upset and uncomfortable, everyone's kind of being dismissive about it. They could see she was uncomfortable. Just back her up and be like, no, Greg, that's not cool. Put your freaking speedos on. Yeah, even if you're not uncomfortable by it, someone else clearly is. Just she ends up going for a walk to calm herself down and sits down by a tree. And she starts mm. whispering to herself over and over again that she's okay. Yeah. She goes, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. So she's clearly dealing with something that's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's – Greg just it obviously has triggered her in some way. Clearly not okay. But by the mm-hmm. time she gets back, they've finished filming. Yep. And she has a bit of a flashback to the bonfire party when she's saying that um, you're okay, you're okay, thing, which we'll find out more about uh, in the next episode. Um, yeah. And so by the time she comes back, Chip has finished a shoot because I didn't know where she went. She didn't have her phone. People were getting cold. It was getting late um, and he thought he'll just finish the shoot. Which I think is kind of fair enough. Because she also said, I'll be back in five minutes. And it clearly was more than that if they got to finish the shoot and everything. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I get that she had a panic attack, but people don't really know what's going on or when she'll be back or where she's even gone. She's not answering the phone. And then it's back to Noah. So the pizza delivery guy shows up, but says, Mm -hmm. my car's running. Can you come downstairs essentially? By the time she goes downstairs, there's broken glass, the pizza's on the floor. Things just don't look great. Yeah. So she starts going back upstairs to her apartment. But when she gets Mm -hmm. there, she sees that Leatherface is at her door trying to get in. Yes. So she freaks out and she runs off and there's like a massive chase scene. Like I say, she's like screaming and knocking on doors and no one's like even opening up. I mean, fair though. They're probably just sitting in there with no pants on like I would be. So... (laughs) takes a while yeah. to get up and answer the door. It does. It's true. Anyway, she gets out and she gets on the um, the roof and then she kind of jumps over this kind of gap in the roof. I think it's quite clear that Leatherface isn't quite fit enough to follow her across. Yeah, because she's a runner. Because she's a runner and, you know, she's much smaller and lighter and faster than Leatherface is. So. Can I just say, throughout this scene, though, she was super brave twice and ran toward him twice. Yeah. 
I was yes. just like, damn, that that's like some guts. Yeah, that, she had to though. She had no other way. I know, I know. But still, I think I would have been paralyzed with fear. I think I would have frozen. I just thought that was really impressive. So she jumps across the roof. So they're having like a standoff. They're each on a different mm-hmm. roof staring at each other. I think she can't go anywhere though. Yeah, because of her bracelet. But here's the thing. Why don't you just call the cops while you're up there? Because obviously she has her phone. She makes another phone call. <laughs> yeah. Right, just call the cops. But she can't call the cops, remember? Yes, you can. Somebody's going to come in and kill you. Also, <laughs> something's happened to the pizza guy. You've been yeah. knocking on doors, screaming and shouting like a banshee. Like, people are going <laughs> to ask questions. This isn't no. going to go unnoticed. <laughs> unnoticed. Like, what the hell happened in this apartment? It literally looks like a crime scene. Somebody was screaming bloody murder. And what, she's just going to go back and pretend this didn't happen? But also, she didn't even need to call the police. She just needed to take one step back and people would have come to her because of her ankle being out of range. Yeah, well, I think that was the reason that she thought she couldn't step out of range. But also, yeah. just she had her phone on her. Just take it out of freaking record weirdo face there if you did nothing else. Yeah, then I you agree. can show the police why your leather, why your recording thing went off. Yeah, I was being chased by this freak on a roof. <laughs> <laughs> then you can you have a justification for why you were out of range for your ankle monitor. But she did none uh, of those. Instead, she stared at him and said, "What do you want?" <laughs> and he says, "Punish the guilty." And she says, "Who's guilty?" And he says, "Your mother." So she calls the hospital. So she can't call the police, but she can call the freaking hospital. Yeah, and um, she rats on her mum. Yeah. And says, you know, there's a nurse in your employee that is stealing um, tablets. Yes. And then by the time she's off the phone, Leatherface is gone somehow. Yes. He just disappeared. Like, literally, dum dum. <laughs> but yeah, that whole scene was pretty scary. That was like, I don't know. I think it was very quick for A to get physical compared to like mm. Pretty Little Liars where that doesn't happen for at least like half a season, you know. Oh, I guess this is half a season, though, because it's smaller seasons. Yeah. Coming up, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but I feel like this Leatherface has many opportunities to hurt the girls and he doesn't. Yes, exactly. Intention. So from what I'm getting from this is that the intention isn't necessarily to hurt the girls. He wants to hurt the mothers and he wants to do it through the girls. He wants to expose the mothers at the very least, I think, because he doesn't try and um, kill Noah, like Noah's mum. He gets her to dob on her. Yes, but my thing is that he knows all the stuff on them. I think he wants the daughters to have to do it. Because, yeah, he could have just called himself and saved himself a hike. Yeah, exactly, a a chase and a kick in the face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Same night still. Mm -hmm. Um, Farron's online stalking the twins and then she suddenly remembers that they have feet. Oh, yeah, they have feet, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, she asks Henry to um, rub Kelly's feet and tells him her theory. The other thing that happens is uh, the girls are having something at the in the cafeteria, lunch. So yeah, Noah tells the girls about A, and then Imogen um, starts telling them about the missing pages. And then it's uh, episode five. The night he came home. Which now that I think about it is an interesting um, title for this episode, because... Leatherface is hanging out in her basement. I wonder if that's what it's a reference to. It must be. Because what else would it be a reference to? Who else comes home? So the first thing that we see is a flashback to Halloween 1999. It's yet another example of the original five being mean to Angela. Five 
are dressed as the dead Spice Girls. Yeah, that took me a second to realize. I only registered because of the posh Spice outfit. And um, there was a sign that said spicy or something on their car. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's what they're meant to be. Poor Angela is not dressed up at all. So she's obviously yeah. not included in a part of their crew. Like There's five Spice Girls, five of them, plus Angela. So they give her the leather pumpkin mask, which we yep. see um, again through these episodes. They make her do some stuff for initiation. So they give a bag of dog poop and she has to throw it at this door. But when she goes and does it, they abandon her there. They drive off in the car. She's kind of stuck there. People have realised that someone's thrown something at their door. She's not running away or anything, though. She's just standing there looking creepy in her mask. Yeah, and you hear the homeowner being like, call the police. Yeah. And so that's where it cuts and we don't see any more of that scene. It comes back to present day because in this episode, we're building towards Halloween. Yeah. The one thing I want to talk about, though, is remember how we talked about um, in part one, there was the Halloweenathon. Halloweenathon hasn't happened, though. Yeah. So I wonder if Halloweenathon. Yeah. I think there's a reference to it, though, because Ash was like to Mouse later on that he wanted to go see the Midnight movie. Oh, is that what that was? I think it might be. It's not 100% sure, but they don't do it anymore. That makes sense because I was going to say, I wonder if it's some, a reference to something that has happened then. But maybe it is the Halloween a thon that was cancelled. And maybe we find out more about it. Oh, okay. So what was Wes doing this night? True. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Let's talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> this is why it's important to talk about these things. This is why it's important because I didn't think about this because now all of a sudden he has all the time in the world and Leatherface is walking around doing creepy shit. All right. So, okay. So back in present day, <laughs> it's Thursday still. It carries on from the scene um, where Noah's telling the girls about the A chase Chasing her. Like none yeah. of them asked enough questions, I thought. Like yeah. she's like, A chased me and they were like, yeah, cool. What about this though? And it's like, don't you want to ask her if she's okay? How did it end? Where did he go? Where did he come from? Is he Cotton Eye Joe? No, Joe. <laughs> Did, did none of you have any other questions for your friend Noah who is scared to death right now? Wait, I have a serious question first, though. Um, did you just kill me and take my place because we both said Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> yes, I, might, I must have. I'm going to take your locker next. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't ask any questions at all. The question Mouse did ask, though, is should we go tell the police? Yeah. This is when we tell someone. And Imogen's like, we can't tell anyone because we need to understand what's happening, right? Yeah. And um, Tabby is the only logical one, like, says something logical about why not, though. And she's like, well, given what just happened to Noah, I don't think we're in a position to disobey A right now. Yeah. Which makes more sense than what Imogen's saying. Yeah. I'm like, wait, let it go. Your friend nearly died. Um, and then Imogen kind of tells them about the diary. And the interesting thing I found in this is that they say, Angela's not mentioned in the diaries at all. Like it trickles down to around the Y2K party. And then there's, you know, a few pages ripped out. There's not that many pages ripped out. Yeah. And then it continues on again. So I feel like it's weird that Angela wasn't mentioned in any of the other parts of it Mm. at all. Like surely, even if it's like, you know, those few major days have been removed. Surely there would be some mention of her at some other point. But also something that I was curious about is um, the girls start asking if, um, you know, do you think your mum ripped out the pages of the diary and stuff like that, which it could be, right? Mm. Um, 
But then they're like, oh, we should search the house for them. Like, why would you rip out pages of your diary and just put them somewhere else in your house, though? Yeah. And, like, the fact that she just assumed these were ripped out recently and they would still be around, like, she could have yeah. ripped them out 15 years ago when she realised, man, I was a crazy bee back then. I don't want yeah. this to be who I am. I'm going to get rid of this. Exactly. Um, yeah. The other interesting thing about this scene is that Mouse casually mentions that her mum has a pawn shop. Yep. Um, and it got me thinking, like, A has all these, or, like, at least Leatherface has all these old-timey things, like the teddy bears and stuff. I wonder if they've been to the pawn shop. That's a good point. They probably have. Um, because, yeah, it's just said in passing. And I was like, oh, interesting that they've got a pawn shop. Like, of all the careers you could have for them to ma- mention casually, that's what she has, a pawn shop. Then the next thing we see is Tabby is mad at Chip for finishing the shoot. And she explains yes. why. She says, you know, this was meant to be from the female perspective with a female director. And what you've done basically undermines that, which is a good point. But, like... Yeah, like we said, she's the one that abandoned them all and ran off and they didn't know where she was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also I feel like this was meant to be a like a group assignment. Like they were doing it together. Yeah. So it's a bit like, I don't know, she's just not giving him an opportunity to do anything he wants to do either. Like it should be, like I get your vision and you can do that maybe in your own time, but this is something that's meant to be a joint effort, like a, yeah. something you both contribute to. I think there's just more happening beneath the surface for her. I think she's, as we find out a bit more, she's still struggling with the stuff that's happened to her. Yeah, I think so. The girls kind of all say that they're going to go and look through the house together to look for the pages. Why the hell are they going to these scary places alone, go together? Like, why is one person going to the basement, one person's in the attic, and two are living it up in the lounge room in the broad daylight? I know. Like, go to the scary places together. Don't be stupid. And Tabby even says... What did she say? I'm a final girl. I'm a final girl. Like, not with that attitude, you're not. Yeah, but then we see that box in the basement that uh, comes back at the Halloween party. Tabby doesn't get to look at it because she goes back upstairs. So, yeah. But we see that it was already there. But who knows? A might have still been there under the stairs being creepy. And then they find some burnt pages in the fireplace and yep. Imogen is like sad about it because she thinks they're the diary pages and now she's not going to read them and she talks about how she doesn't want to sell the house um then a whole bunch of 15 year olds say that they're going to take over the mortgage somehow yes <laughs> they're like oh we'll talk to we'll talk to my mum and find out how much money you need uh, yeah. and she's like i have 400 for the last 10 birthdays <laughs> Like, I don't think that's going to cut it, Imogen. I'm sorry. We find out a bit about Kelly's foot situation. Confirmed she has feet and it does have scars on it. Yes. Uh, And this makes Farron even more suspicious. Henry tries to kind of ground her a bit and says, there are a gazillion reasons people could have scars on your feet. That doesn't mean she's Karen. This is what I wanted to talk about before. I was convinced that on the day that everything bad happened to Karen, i.e. the rat and the bag the razor blades in the shoe i'm convinced that was kelly that day like the bad things happened to kelly yes i mean it very well could be given that the scar is on kelly's foot but it also could have been kelly that set them up (laughs) so true it could have been anything they do swap a lot if we think kelly is the brains of the operation which we've said we do it would make sense as to why she then yelled out oh my god um why did you do this farron you already got the part because she was doing something for karen Mm. which we know she stands up for karen yeah, and this is another thing that um, I wanted to talk about, and maybe now is a good time to talk about this theory. Well, not really a theory, just thoughts. Mm. So we find out through these episodes that uh, Karen was the better dancer and Kelly wasn't as good, 
But now yes. she started getting good. This makes me question Madame Geary again. Well, Madame Geary, why did you give Kelly the white swan and Farron the black swan if Karen was the best dancer? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand, Madame Geary. What is going on through your brain? I thought Kelly was a good dancer because the white swan is still a a significant part. Yeah, exactly. As I'm thinking about this right now, we said before that Kelly is the more passive one and that Karen wants to show to her dad that she's good and that she's better and everything and Karen, mm. Kelly wants to help her do that. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly was the better dancer and she was taking Karen's place on purpose to make yeah. Karen seem better to her parents. I agree with that. I think that makes perfect sense because she also does say something to Karen coming up when they mm. have lunch together. That she always was a good dancer, but she wasn't allowed to kind of outshine Karen. So I wouldn't be surprised if that day when the razor blades were in the shoe, it was in fact Kelly being Karen. So again, answers no questions, raises more. (laughs) Yes. And so back to that same Thursday, the other thing that we see happens is mouse. (laughs) Oh my God, mouse, stop. Like to me so far, the creepiest thing that's happened in any Pretty Little little Liars ever (laughs) Yeah. So Mouse, we find out, has been getting in contact with what looks like to be the parents of missing children. Mm-hmm. And she's pretending to be their missing daughter um, to give them some comfort, I assume. Yeah. So in this uh, instance, she's meeting Steve. Whose daughter is Rachel. We find out through their conversation that she's been, she's the one that reached out to him. That was interesting. So if Mouse's yeah. technology being taken away was significant, but not in the way that I thought it might be. Yes, and it was just so uncomfortable because she's like, yeah, we can meet somewhere private and have dinner. No one can see us. And can we go trick-or-treating? Yeah. And he's like, yes, it was one of Rachel's favourites. And she's giving him costume options and stuff like that. And mm. he's going to pay for it. It just The whole thing felt really weird and somehow dirty yeah. at the same time, even though I don't think it was meant to be dirty. Just the creepiness of it. And I think we find out like that she... She probably was kidnapped herself um, because she has a conversation with her mum later on that we'll come to. I wonder if she had some sort of like Stockholm syndrome and she actually ended up liking the guy and they did this stuff together. But the whole thing's really messed up and very dangerous. My idea with this is, and I've seen a couple of other things online that suggest something similar at least. Mm. And my theory is that Mouse's parents kidnapped her i don't know i'm really sus about that though because i think there's logic behind it right so if they did take her and then let's say the real father found them Mm. and tried to take her back or something and that's where all the trauma is coming from or even if they didn't kidnap her they ran away from that father figure yeah i guess and to him she was a missing child and she missed out on that connection with a parent and i think that's why she feels bad for these mm. people who have a missing child and she's trying to help. I don't know whether she was kidnapped in like the t- traditional sense, but maybe it's her biological father that they're keeping her away from. Yeah. But we'll find out, I guess, what's happening to her. Yeah. And then, so we'll continue with the day. So it's Friday now. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, even though Madame Geary is like super weird and super sus and super hateful, Baron yeah. shares her theory about the Kelly Karen swap with Madame Geary. Yes. Why? Of all the people you could have told, that's who you tell, really, Farron? Um, but she tells Madame Geary, and Madame Geary says, I'm not supposed to talk about other students, but, you know, I'm going to tell you that, you know, Kelly was involved in self-harm before and just drop this, like, let it go, don't bring it up again. Which you're right, you shouldn't be saying that to another student. Yeah, but I think in this sense, if she really thought that that was 
Kelly and that was Kelly's self-harm scars on her feet. She Mm. really wanted Farron to just drop it and not do anything else about it. So she thought, I'll give her enough information that she doesn't keep pursuing this because it's going to be really hurtful. But jokes on her, she does. Farron be Farron. Girls decide. So Imogen has a wild idea. She's going to hold a party to raise funds to keep, at least kickstart doing payments on the house so that they can keep their house. And they decide this the day before Halloween. So they don't have much time to organize any of this. The next thing that happens is Tabby goes to the Orpheum to get her wage and she confronts Wes. He says, way to ghost me. And she's like, what are you talking about? You tried to lure me to your house and it's... It was triggering and yeah. Yeah. And he apologizes and he says he didn't mean it and he genuinely cares about her. Not in a creepy way. Then she accepted her job back and I've got question mark, question mark, question mark here. Because first of all, he is a creep. Second of all... The reason she quit the job was because her mum made her because she was being a mean girl and making creepy videos about people. And So I don't know how they're going to sell that her mum is now fine with this. <laughs> but anyway, she's accepted her job back and she's going to work the next day during the day, but she can't at night because she's got the party. The last thing that happens on the Friday is Mouse's house. Mouse is uh, talking to her parents about wanting to go out on Halloween night mm-hmm. and they're negotiating a curfew. Um, they finally end up on 10.30. They say she can stay out till 10.30. We already know that she's got plans to um, meet up with Steve. Steve. And yeah. she's also got plans to meet Ash. She was meant to meet Ash at the party at 9.30 and her curfew is till 10.30. The other thing I wanted to mention about Mouse at home is mm-hmm. she wears mini mouse tops a lot at home. Her family really are Disney obsessed. <laughs> And that's probably part of coming across more childlike to her parents because they don't want her growing up. And then it uh, goes to the next day, which is the day of Halloween. And it starts with Tabby working at the Orpheum. Um, Did you know what she's dressed as? No. She's dressed as the woman from Jurassic Park. Oh, was she? Wearing the little shorts and the top that's kind of tied at the front and everything. But that's not what she's wearing that night at the Halloween party. No, she's not. I took note of that. She has two separate costumes. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. I didn't notice that. Good pick I even took note being like, why would you change costumes? Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out what everyone was dressed as that night, but I didn't quite yeah. get what Tabby was meant to be. Um, I think she's just a pilot, maybe from Top Gun or something. So Tabby's working, Tyler comes in and she says he has to pay because he's not dressed. And they have another weird confrontation, one of many to come. Where he's being a skis bag. He makes a very unfunny joke about Cherry Coke and whether she still has her cherry. But it kind yes. of triggers her again and you can see her having a mild panic attack. And then we cut to Farron and Kelly meet up. Yep. Um, and this is also where she says she's always been a good dancer but wasn't allowed to show it. Farron invites Kelly to the party that night mm. at Imogen's. But something we didn't mention about this scene just yet um, is that Farron notices that there's a cut on Kelly's hand from yep. when she was gripping that glass really tight um, and asks if she did that to herself. And Kelly kind of plays as an intentional, I think, self-harm thing. Farron makes a point of saying, you can talk to me and if you ever need to talk about anything, please reach out kind of a thing, which seems like a genuine nice thing that comes from her for once. But doesn't last for long. No, it doesn't last for long, but it does seem genuine. <laughs> and then I think we cut to the party. So Noah and Sean are there as Morticia and Gomez Adams. Yes, I love that. Farron is Poison Ivy. Yeah. Tabby, we think, is a pilot. Imogen is dressed as Rosemary. Yeah. From Rosemary's Baby. And Mouse is dressed as Wendy the Witch. Yeah, which is such a cute costume, except, like, it's super creepy why she's wearing it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, So in the house party scene, um, 
we see Tabby gets there and um, she kind of watches as Tyler tries to hit on Baron. Yeah. Um, again, being a skis ball. Yeah. Tabby starts interrogating him about the bonfire party and calls yeah. him a garbage person and says to stay away from her and her friends. Yeah. So she obviously thinks that he had some involvement with something at that bonfire party yeah. because he goes to a lot of parties and that seems like right up his alley and stuff. And he says he goes to yeah a lot of parties, but he doesn't remember a bonfire. Yeah. And you know what? I think I believe him. Like, I don't think it was him. Yeah. I think it's too obvious. The next thing we see is Mouse pretending to be Rachel. Lutham, Steve. Yes. Hate this so much. Um, <laughs> he's being mad creepy. He makes her like blueberry pancakes with a smile in it because that's the way she likes it and um, asks for her report card because she was having trouble in school. And well, then the next thing that happens is um, we see Leatherface. He sneaks into the basement and we see that he goes to the basement from that outside door thing, the hatch, and he's got a key. So he locked it and unlocked it. And his suitcase is there, which looks very much like the suitcase we see in the opening sequence with the things inside it. But something I noted is that the suitcase has uh, United States Army Reserve on it. Yep. So I was racking my brain to think if we know of anyone that was in the army or in the reserves in this show yet. I don't think there is. Oh my God, it's Wayne. Who's Wayne? Emily's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, what a link. It could be. But yeah, so it says Army Reserves on it. And you were racking your brain to see if there was a link. We decided we don't remember there being any reference. But um, if you're listening and you know of a reference, let us know. And then he has the pumpkin mask that we see from the start of the episode that Angela was wearing. And he wears that for this episode. He basically walks around the party unnoticed this whole night. How though? He's like eight meters tall. Someone should have been like, who is this creepy guy that nobody knows and isn't speaking to anyone? I pause to take a look at the suitcase a bit more in detail. There's also like, you mentioned there's some new things in there. Mm -hmm. There's some like medals and stuff in there. And I'm not sure if they would be his for like service or something like that, or if they yeah. were like maybe Angela's or someone's from school or something. Because um, I couldn't really tell what the medals were for. And there's like some playing cards and photo of Angela, a photo of a baby girl and an older boy pushing her in like a pram or something. Mm. That teddy bear we were talking about. And a bunch of cans of soup. Oh, was it? I didn't notice the cans of soup. Which I'm not sure what the relevance is, but... Uh, Army rations. And there was a poster there that said, get out on it for mm. Thursday, October 1st um, at 4pm. Mm. I couldn't see what it was, if it was like a concert or a movie or something like that. I think yeah. it might be a movie because then later on in the box, like I say later on, like three seconds <laughs> after, because I kept pausing and I'm pausing and pausing yeah. and I'm pausing. <laughs> you see tickets to a movie at the Orpheum. Um, yeah at 4 p.m. again so I'm wondering if they're for the same yeah it could have been and this probably ties into what we were talking about before about what the Halloweenathon is yes and um there's also some pay slips in there and a poem pinned there um I couldn't see the full title but it's something and then the night yeah it looked like something Shakespearean yeah so I want to find it and see if there's any clues in there um because he does use some old kind of language and stuff yeah I think a lot of these will be red herrings like I think some will be important and some will be absolutely nothing yeah so the next thing we see Leatherface do is he's just standing outside of the bathroom that um Imogen's mum died in yeah and he's just standing at the door doing nothing and Imogen comes up and sees him Says he can't use that bathroom. And he basically walks away. He comes very close to her though. She seems a little bit freaked out. And this is kind of what we were talking about before. Like Leatherface has a clear opportunity to hurt Imogen then, but he doesn't. He doesn't seem to want to harm the girls. Yeah. uh, But he seems to be on some sort of revenge path. Elsewhere in the party, Farron and Henry 
are talking and they end up kissing and the creep is watching them the whole time which is creepy as well but um yeah then we cut to mouse and steve again yeah. where steve is kind of like you can call me dad if you want mouse is like oh i'm already late to go to my party i should go and he wants to drive her he wouldn't be able to forgive himself if something happened to her yeah and the other thing that happens is as rachel she forgives steve and then, yeah, she rocks up at the party. Farron sees Greg and Kelly making out. Yes. And this just skyrockets her her Karen theory. She's been very jealous of Karen. And I think that's a theory we've had since day one. Yeah. She's like always the twin in the background. Karen gets all the attention and stuff. And in this scene, after, I mean, after Farron sees Kelly and Greg making out and she confronts her, she says, I'm just going to say, it, I think you are Karen because all of a sudden you're a good dancer. You're making out with Greg. And Kelly's like... Why can't I be a great dancer and have a hot boyfriend? Yeah. Why can't I be Kelly? Why can't Kelly have a good a hot boyfriend? Yeah. And I think this is exactly the scene that's kind of confirming for me that Kelly is Kelly because that was yeah. a very genuine kind of emotion. And she's kind of just sick of living in Karen's shadow. And now she yeah. is wanting to have the hot boyfriend, be the good dancer, have the good locker. I thought like that was a very genuine reaction. Like that's not something Karen would have said because you really have to be in that kind of role and have those thoughts be in that situation to be able to kind of articulate that feeling yeah so I really think it is Kelly uh in these scenes like I don't think it's Karen I think we're being misled and then yeah the other thing that Farron does in that scene is she tells Kelly that well you might want to start watching out because Karen was probably killed Farron has never said the name Karen any more in her life than in this sentence also Kelly seems genuinely shocked at the accusation yeah she does she's like who else would I be so I think that to me is also and just the way she acted like she was defensive or anything she was like Farron you're you're psychotic stop talking to me there's nothing sus about the way that she reacted to make me think she is Karen yeah exactly um A is watching in the corner as this whole thing unfolds so um if that person now does think that is Karen maybe Kelly actually is in trouble so the other kind of couple of things that we see here is um the rest of uh, Mouse's night so she starts getting texts from her mum when she arrives at the party at 11 and she's like, I'm fine. And she blocks them, which I thought was a big yeah. call. Cause like, yeah. if that was my parents, they would have brought their ass to that party and collected me. And then Ash comes up to her and says, she looks beautiful. His dress is Freddie Mercury. Very well, might I add. Killer moustache. I'm starting to, I'm starting to think he's A, just on the basis that that moustache was killer. <laughs> except that he's like one third of the height of a (laughs) maybe there's three ashes standing on top of each other being a yeah possibly it's three ashes in a trench coat (laughs) yeah exactly he makes a comment about let me guess you're busy with childhood trauma and she says that she's ready to close that sad chapter in her life for good they go upstairs and do gummies and and smooch we have the scene with chip and tabby so Chip yes. is dressed as a skeleton and he gives her a beer. Yes. She says, is it open? He says, of course not. That'd be gross. Which is like kind of a callback to what you were saying before when he stared at her really weird um, after she mentioned the spiked drink thing at the shower yes. scene. And to me, like, I agree. It would be gross if a random guy gave you an open drink. But not like your quote unquote gay best friend who's not gay. Exactly. Not your best friend or like whatever. Like if one of my best friends or my husband gave me a drink and it was open, I wouldn't think it was sus at all. If it was a random guy, I'd be like, yeah, this is sus. I'm not drinking this. But if it's someone that I like is super close to me in my life, 
I'm like, thank you for opening my drink because now I don't have to go find a bottle opener. <laughs> like, and the fact that he called it gross was weird. Like, yes. I don't know. Yeah, if you were to hand me an open drink or one of my friends was to hand me an open drink, I wouldn't think it's gross, like you said, because you trust it. Yeah, that scene was really weird for me. And the fact that he was so defensive and was like, yeah, that that's gross, instead of just being like, yeah, no, it's closed, is what makes me think he has something to do with the scene that we find out about later. Yeah, because, like, yeah, we see that they were – friends for a while and they have gone to parties together before so it's not far-fetched that he would have been at that party with her because who else did she go to that party with she doesn't really hang out with anyone else yeah she doesn't really have any other friends at that point and she's not the go to a party alone type of person like she's not a wild party girl um and it makes me wonder if he knows because even if he wasn't involved maybe he knows or saw something yeah and then the last kind of thing that happens at this party well the last couple of things is the final confrontation with tyler so my other note here is tyler is a neanderthal (laughs) yes so yeah they're just being like super aggressive super sexual super pushy to just girls in general at the party and it was just like such a disgusting way to act and then tabby ends up punching him square in the face and breaks his nose also not ideal because when greg comes in to defend it she's like calling him out for what he did on set and everything and says there's a word it's called assault Mm. but so is punching someone in the face great for her calling them out i'm all for it but also just don't punch people he kind of deserved it though the other thing i wanted to say about this scene is actually is why is greg and tyler friends anyway like after that whole thing that happened with um the video with the video and karen like, why are you guys best friends and high-fiving each other over being sexist right now? Oh, my God, yes, true. Why? Oh, I think we really mentioned that he'd never really respected or really cared about Karen or even liked her. And when he comes back from, quote-unquote, grieving, he's just, like, flexing and showing off and smiling. Yeah, he just... really is not phased at all that she's dead. Yeah, he's just being his usual skeezy self. And then next day back at school, he starts asking who the hot girl in the shower scene's going to be. And then uh, Tyler runs to the bathroom, with, um, and that's the last time he goes to the bathroom. Yes, um, he gets unalived by A, or Leatherface. Uh, second one in that bathroom. Yes. And then that's all that happens at the party, really. We never find out how much she made for the, from the party and if she can pay a mortgage or not. Yeah, it seems like she made a fair amount, though. She was putting piles of money in her drawer. And then the next day is Sunday, and she's still in the house. Um, she's up before the other girls are up, and she starts having kind of flashbacks of times that she had in the house with her mum. Uh the girls all come downstairs too. We see that Mouse is still there as well. All the girls stayed over. But then um Imogen gets a call back from that number that tried to call her last night at the party. Yep. And the person says, I'm calling you about your mum and Angela Waters. And not only did he know them, but he says that Angela's family too. So this seems to be a relative of Angela that she's managed to reach out to. Oh, okay. So that's not how I interpreted that. I interpreted that as he knows Angela's family. Oh, maybe. But this person, mystery person, says he knows stuff and that they should meet up. Yep. And Imogen's like, yes, I think we definitely should. And then it goes to Mouse uh, coming home. Um, so Mouse gets home and Shirley is the one who's still up and waiting at the table for her. And she says, I hope you had fun at your party. Like she's clearly just come home and she's upset at her daughter for it. And she says that I know that night was scary for everyone, but it happened to me. And I feel like I'm the one being punished for it years later. He's gone and he's never coming back. I needed to do this kind of a thing. Yeah. So that's giving us a bit of a hint as to what that childhood trauma is. So this is what makes us think, I think, that she 
got kidnapped in some way, shape or form. But you're right. It sounds like she's um, gone through some sort of kidnapping ordeal in the past and there was a guy involved. We know that. But then we follow Mouse into her room, which is the part that bothers me the most of all of this. Yeah. She goes to her computer and she prints out a photo that she's taken with Steve. It's her in her Wendy costume. Pulls out this box that's filled. And I mean like filled with photos of other her with other adults not all men but some with women as well and the majority were men though and you can just tell she's done this so many times to get that many photos easily over a hundred photos like it was a crazy amount yeah yeah so she's done this like like a hundred times basically and she you know puts the photo in the box and it just makes me think like why mouse why would you do this like it's so dangerous but it's also interesting that she now thinks this chapter is closed for her but I don't think that this is the last that we've seen of Steve I don't think so either I think she thinks this chapter is closed but I think there's more coming yeah because I think he's you know found someone who is going to remind him of his daughter and he's going to help him with the stuff he's going through and he's not Mm. going to let go of that. Do you think part of that is because she's now getting a different kind of attention from a guy? I think I saw it as a her growing up thing. So like we know that Mm. she mentioned before about her parents not wanting her to grow up, her pretending to be a kid with the other parents thing kind of ties into that. But now I think she's getting to a point where she's like got a romantic interest. She's feeling more like a grown up. She's feeling like she's ready to stop being that kid and become more of a young adult. Yeah, that whole thing just really bothered me. And the fact that there were so many people that this has happened with as well is what it kind of gives me a weird feeling in my stomach. It just makes me uncomfortable. It's very creepy. And like we said, like it's super dangerous. Like she could have for real gotten kidnapped or murdered or whatever during one of those meetings. Yes. The next thing that cuts to Farron. Yeah, cuts to Farron. So she gets a call from Madame Geary on a Sunday and she says, Kelly came to see me and it cuts mm-hmm. to Madame Geary. Kelly went and saw Madame Geary and complained about Farron and then Farron lost the lead again. <laughs> this is the most controversial lead in the history of Millwood. Yes. So then an interesting thing happens. Cut to Kelly and she's with her mum. Uh, her mum's kind of out of it. She's medicated. She's not well. I think her mum being confused and calling her Karen. I think it's meant to make us believe that it's Karen. And I think that's just another red herring. You know, she's heavily medicated. She's just lost Karen. She's, she, so she's thinking about Karen. So yeah, she says, her, I told you I'm Kelly. Let's go get your medication. Um, and that's kind of the end of that scene. And then the last thing that happens in these episodes is uh, Tabby and Imogen have a scene together. Once they're back at the Hayworth house, um, Imogen kind of knocks on Tabby's door and is like, hey, and she kind of walks in. Tabby closes her laptop and they sit together and Imogen asks, like, what was that Tyler thing really about? Yep. And you can see Tabby's really uncomfortable and she's, like, avoiding eye contact a bit and she's just still upset about something. And she says over the summer at a party in the woods, she thinks something happened to her there. And um, Imogen kind of nods and they are both a bit teary and she says something happened to me too. Yep. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah, so I think that's kind of um, the start of our answers for who might be Imogen's baby daddy. And, um, yeah, the things that kind of happen with Tabby. The question is, are they the same person? I'm assuming yes, because what are the odds of that happening to both of them just like a couple of weeks apart? Yeah. But I don't think it's Tyler or Greg. One, because... Tyler's already dead now, so there's no chance for a revenge or a comeuppance or anything like that. But also it's just too obvious. I think it's going to be someone we're not meant to expect, someone who's nice. Yeah. 
Oh, what if the thing that you're sus about about Sean is that it's him? Maybe. Maybe it is. Because he's a nice guy, but he's on the football team. He's at those parties. He's always there. But he was with Noah then. At least at Karen's party, we know that he spent the night with Noah. But And we know that the thing that happened to Imogen happened that night. But was he accountable for the whole night? Yeah, I guess so. And then we don't know when exactly um, Noah's... Um, house arrest stuff happened he could have gone to the next party alone well i guess the obvious suspects are probably chip or wes because yeah where was wes but so i'll um disregard a theory right now i know some people think that leatherface might be sheriff beasley i don't think that it's sheriff beasley for a bunch of stuff but the main thing is we see leatherface and sheriff beasley in the same scene at one stage at the school assembly when Sheriff Beasley's yes. on stage and Leatherface is underneath the bleachers. Plus, I just don't think he would hurt his own daughter like that. Like, but I don't think he'd push Karen. Like, We also have seen Wes and Leatherface in the same scene. Have we? He's driving um, Tabby home that night and there's the creepy staring at them from the thing. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. We have seen them in the same scene too. But then I'm like, if it is Chip, which I don't think – Leatherface is chip, but I just think he had something to do with um Tabby's night. Is I think he's jealous of Wes and her. I agree. But I don't think it's chip for a couple of reasons. One is obviously that their build doesn't match. That could be a misdirect. Yeah. But the other thing is he was also at the school assembly because he goes yeah, he to the was. school. So it's gotta be someone that wasn't sitting on those bleachers at the time when the assembly was on. Yeah, well Kelly wasn't on the bleachers, but she's way too small and she was in the bathroom crying. Yeah, and we saw her at the dance um, Yeah, at the same time as Leatherface. Unless there's two people tag-teaming as Leatherface, like both wearing the costume at different times. Yeah. We have seen him in the same scene with most of our suspects. But, yeah, so who else could it even be? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's Principal Clanton because, what? like, I guess he fits in terms of, like, height and stuff like that. But what benefit does he have from this? Is he somehow – like related to Angela or something? Was he, how old is he? Was he principal back then too? I don't think so. Don't think so. Uh, maybe he was because he does know a lot about her mum. He yeah, says, you know, true. like mother, like daughter. But yeah, like I think our favourite theory at the moment is that Leatherface is related to Imogen. Yeah, I think so too. Because yeah, the but you're a bad then, mother thing kind of plays in my yeah. head. And the fact that he went after Davy first also plays in my yeah. head. Yeah, because initially I thought it was just because Davey was kind of the ringleader of that group. Mm. But I don't know. Now that we're getting more flashbacks, they all seem to be perfectly into it, to making fun of Angela. Like that Spice Girl scene, they all had no problem leaving her there. No one was like, come on, let's stop being mean, you know, and Marjorie threw her under the bus and stuff like that. They were all mistreating her. Yeah, I think so too. And I think just like the very end scene, Sydney started to get a um, conscience. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that we've still got another five episodes to go. So anything can happen. Because I'm trying to think of like how it could make sense for Angela to have a relation to this guy. But because like no one in the school mentioned Angela having a brother. And I feel like they would know Angela had a brother. Yeah. But also they're not really talking about Angela yet. They're all avoiding talking about her. But yeah, when Sydney talks about her, she only mentions her kind of absentee father and crazy mum. And also um, Imogen had the yearbook. Surely she would have seen someone else called something Waters, right? Yeah, if she looked at it in detail and if they were in the same year. Anyway, uh, it sounds like that's a wrap. It sounds like it. Um, And no one's lost their speedos during the making of this show. So well done. (laughs) This is a safe space. That's why. This is a safe space. 
Yeah, so thanks for joining us for another episode of Unoriginal Sin with the Worst Sister Shire. Follow us on all the usual socials. So we're on Facebook and Instagram. The things we're most on is Reddit and Instagram. So reach us out. We're at Worst Sister Shire on those. And just reach out if there's anything you want us to cover, if you agree with our theories, if you hate our theories, if there's anything we've missed or misunderstood while we were watching as well. I think it's time for a hard bum. Will they count us out? One, two, three. Hadabam. Hadabam. Close. <laughs>